Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Hi folks, on this week's episode, we are going to discuss a mythological cryptid, a ghoul, the grave-robbing flesh-eaters, a mythical creature that does everything from eating human corpses to robbing graves and luring men. They are actually very similar to what people are now calling rakes, and I wonder if maybe they are not confusing the two of them. Hi Deb, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. Just to follow up on your question from last week, the crow and raven habituation appears it may be a little bit back on track. How so? Well, I have switched from just peanuts to using cat food and hot dogs for the crows and the ravens because squirrels don't seem to eat that stuff. That's good. Yep. What is a ghoul, you ask? Well, a ghoul is a demonic being believed to inhabit burial grounds and other deserted places. It started in ancient Arabic folklore. Ghouls belonged to a diabolical class of jinn, which is an evil spirit, and were said to be the offspring of Iblis, the prince of darkness in Islam. They were capable of constantly changing form, but their presence was always recognizable by their unalterable sign, the donkey's hooves for feet. But some scholars say that the Arabic word ghoul G-H-U-L, may stem from Galu, G-A-L-L-U, the name of an Akkadian demon in ancient Mesopotamian mythology. Wow, that really goes back a long time. The definition of mythical is fictitious or occurring in folk tales. So then, like the rake, ghouls are not real. In your opinion? But... They also sound like <laughs> a shapeshifter, which, by definition, is a being with the ability to change physical form at will. The donkey hooves, though, make it sound like a description of Satan. I wonder if in Arabic religions this was created to represent evil, similar to biblical reference to the devil. I believe so, and I believe that's why... It goes back to being an offspring of Iblis. So I, I think you're right on that one. When they entered into Western mythology, they were further identified as a grave-robbing creature that feeds on dead bodies and on children. In the West, ghouls have no specific image, but many have been described neither man nor woman. They are considered demons. So the West has simply used the term ghoul as a synonym for demon? No, I believe 
they refer to him as a type of demon instead of a synonym as one because there's many different types of demons. And I think they just consider the ghoul one type of demon. In Arabic folklore, the ghoul is said to dwell in cemeteries and other uninhabited places. They are said to be able to take both male and female form. A male ghoul is referred to as a ghoul, while the female ghoul is a ghoulah. <laughs> okay. When in female form, they are portrayed in many tales luring hapless people, who are usually men, where they can eat them. In some folklore, the ghoul is a desert-dwelling, shape-shifting demon that can assume the guise of any animal, especially a hyena. It lures unwary people into the desert, waste, or abandoned places to slay and devour them. The creature also preys on young children, drinks blood, steals coins, and eats the dead. They can take the form of the person they most recently have eaten. It was not until Antoine Galin translated 1001 Nights into French that the Western concept of ghouls was introduced into Europe. Galan depicted the ghoul as the monstrous creature that dwelled in cemeteries, feasting upon corpses. Ghouls are not limited to Arabic or Western tales. Among Hindus, there are similar beliefs in ghoul-like figures, such as the Vatala, a demon that haunts cemeteries and animates dead bodies, and Araskasis, a whole order of evil demons that disturb sacrifices, harass devout people, and devour human beings. Even lower than the Rakasas are the Pishchakas, the vilest and most malignant of fiends. In India, the line between ghoulish and vampire figures is often unclear. Yes, they both drink blood, but only a ghoul prefers scavenged, rotting flesh over fresh bodies. But they won't turn it down. In Hinduism, the eating of human flesh is forbidden and degrading, but certain Tantric yogi groups who find enlightenment by indulging in what other groups avoid in India and Tibet practice necrophilistic rites of lying upon a corpse or eating a portion of the flesh. Wow, sounds like this may be a possible origin of the folklore. It's funny how each interpretation, the common theme seems to be feasting on dead bodies, I guess. That's putting the fear factor in the tale. Yeah, and, you know, all folklore has some kind of truth to it. Somewhere along the line, something is true in all those tales. And it may be that it's all got to do with the flesh-eating part of it. That might be the common tie in all the different things. So now that we know a little bit about their origins, let's take a deeper look into the ghoul. While the word is often used as a catch-all for Halloween horrors and morbid tales, the ghoul is a very specific type of creature in myth and legend. It's neither a vampire nor a zombie, but a creature somewhat in between. From their ancient origins in Middle Eastern folklore to modern retellings in horror fiction, ghouls have haunted the shadows of human death for millennia. They feasted on in the catacombs, they fattened themselves in the wake of conquering armies. They shifted forms with arcanic magic and honeycombed the hills with their vile tunnels and lairs. 
H.P. Lovecraft even wrote a short story about them, and even Edgar Allan Poe has written about them. They do make for a great, scary read. They do, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get the crypt keeper from, you know, uh, tells of the crypt, and that's a ghoul. So they make pretty scary things. Mm-hmm. So, what do they look like, you ask? Hmm. The physical appearance of a ghoul is similar in both Arabic and European portrayals of the creature. Though there are some noticeable differences, that should be taken into account. Let's take a look at this aspect. In Arabic myths, they appear to be quite hairy. This is possibly because they are known to have canine features, having an appearance that is similar to a dog. It would be natural to conclude that the rest of the creature's appearance would have animal-like features. However, it is also important to note that there are ghouls in these early myths that hold the power to shapeshift. They are known to transform into beautiful women that lead men astray and into secluded areas. When the man was properly distracted, the ghoul, and sometimes a whole pack, would pounce on the lustful men and devour them. What is it with all these stories likening women as evil temptresses. We're not all evil. Wow. Uh, No, honey, you're not. But, you know, we can go back to another tale, which we may discuss another time, about Lilith, who was supposed to have been the first woman who was evil. But, you know, I really don't know why, because you're right. All women are not evil. Not at all. Especially you. That's a fact. Anyhow, back to the story. There are also accounts of ghouls who would transform into other animals. While it was possible for a ghoul to transform into any type of animal, its favorite choice was was, for it was to transform into a hyena. The ghoul would use the form of the hyena to lure a person into the desert so when they were far enough away from civilization... They could pounce on the victim and devour them very quickly or with the whole pack. What is the fascination with hyenas that the tales would depict people following them, first of all, and then into an uncivilized area? I don't know. That's a great question, though. I personally would not be following a hyena around the desert. I would have no desire to follow a hyena. Unless well, they were supposed where would you to see a hyena uh, all over in the desert, I guess. <laughs> but maybe there's another mythical tale about hyenas that lead you to treasures or lost gold or something that I'm not aware of at this time. Mm. But it's something I can research. That's a very good question, and I'll look into that. It's also important to note that in addition to having a canine-like face, every ghouls were also thought to have a humanoid bodies and hoof-like feet. These were characteristic that were used to identify the presence of ghouls, the hooves especially. It was said that when a ghoul was nearby, the hoof-like imprints of the creatures would be easy to spot. European descriptions of ghouls are interesting in that they are very similar to the ghouls of Arabic folklore in many ways, but in others they have changed entirely. European ghouls still maintain their canine features and their hooves but instead of presenting a hairy exterior, they transformed into pale creatures with a skin that looks rubbery in appearance. 
These creatures are reported to be sensitive to light, though not to the same extent as vampires where they can be killed. Even though the light can cause them harm, it does not kill them. The vampire folklore originated in southeastern Europe, so it would make sense to liken the two creatures. I think so, but I think the original likeness goes back to the Indian account where the ghouls not only ate flesh, but they drank blood. So I think that the likeness to the vampire started there and got carried over in the translation. These ghouls are also capable of shape-shifting. An interesting feature, however, is that these ghouls seem to have an even greater shape-shifting abilities than the Arabic ghouls. Recent literature has grown to suggest that ghouls are able to shape-shift into the form of the last victim they have devoured. Regardless of whether the human was alive or dead when they feasted on their flesh, changelings are said to be ghouls who have taken over human children at birth. To sum it up on appearance, they're generally slumped bipedal humanoids, although they often scramble and crawl on all fours due to their stealthy nature and tendency to occupy cramped tunnels and tombs, their bodies may appear emaciated and dog-like but particularly gluttonous of powerful ghouls may grow quite fat on indecent delicacies. Their skin may be gray or pale, and the flesh itself may appear hairless, rubbery, or even scaly. Though many Middle Eastern tales depict them as hairy ogres, exact facial features seem to differ as well from nearly human to bestial and canine. This could cover a lot of cryptids, so we're going to stick with the pale-skinned humanoid type with razor claws and sharp razor teeth. Keep that in your mind. All right, Deb. I know we said in episode one when we discussed the rake that it originated from a 4chan's and creepypasta post. Maybe it did, but do you think the reported sightings have been a mis- misidentification of a ghoul, possibly? Give us your breakdown on this. By definition, the rake is depicted as hairless, pale, and humanoid, whereas the goal can, air quotes, be those things and more so perhaps they are one and the same fictional character or creature. But are they really fictional? Or maybe is the rake just misidentified as what folklore for tens of thousands of years have known as a ghoul? Is it fictional? But the ghoul is also mythical, which is fictitious. Well, mythical is myth in my book. (laughs) Okay. Potato, potato. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, with that little, um, we agree to disagree on fictional and mythical. 100. Let's go ahead and... uh, Look at how ghouls have been portrayed in the movies over the years. Well, at least according to Wikipedia. Although many screenplays have featured ghouls, the first major motion picture of this theme was in 1933, a British movie entitled The Ghoul. The actor Boris Karloff plays a dying Egyptologist who possesses an occult gem known as the Eternal Light, which he believes will grant immortality if he is buried with it and thereby able to present it to Anubis in the afterlife. 
Of course, his bickering, covetous heirs and associates would rather keep the jewel for themselves. Karloff vows to rise from the grave and avenge himself against anyone who meddles with his plan, and he keeps this promise when one of his colleagues steals the eternal light after his death. Then in 1968, George A. Romero's movie, Night of the Living Dead, combined reanimated corpses, which are now known as zombies, with cannibalistic monsters, ghouls. With this, it created a whole new movie genre instead of monsters, more terrifying than either of the two alone. The term ghoul was the only one actually used in the movie. The term zombies came later. After the movie was released, Romero had never thought of them that way. He said his thought of the Caribbean creatures when he heard of the term zombies and not flesh eaters. In 1975, there was another British movie by the name of The Ghoul, but this one is unrelated to the Karloff movie and stars Peter Cushing as a defrocked missionary whose son has developed a taste for human flesh while traveling in India. As the son's mind and body degenerate, Cushing has several young people dispatched and prepared as full for his offspring, whom he keeps locked in the attic. I'm going to have to go back and find that one. That's one of the horror movies I missed growing up. Also in 1975, there was a knowledge movie, The Monster Club, and it featured a scene where a village of ghouls stumbled upon an unwary traveler who temporarily escapes the creatures with the help of one half-human girl. But he is recaptured when it turns out that the ghouls have representatives inhabiting our normal human world. And last but not least, Gallardi is the stage name of a Cleveland-area horror television host, Ernie Anderson. I watch this about every Saturday night, and uh, that's one of the things that helped me get into this field. And with that, folks, we're going to go ahead and bring this episode to an end. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.